What's up, y'all? Welcome back to the Men's Journal Everyday Warrior Podcast. I've got uh, Scott Shig- Shigeoka. Gaoka, yep, yep. There I, you go. got it. Okay, I'm going to work <laughs> on that one. Never screw your guest's name up. It just starts <laughs> off with that foot, man. Um, Scott, congrats on the book. This Thank is you so uh, much. awesome. And the book we're talking about is Seek How Curiosity Can Transform Your Life and Change the World. Yes, it can. I'm fascinated by curiosity because I think it's one of the major attributes to constant evolution in the yes. pursuit of excellence. Yeah. So, but Scott, before we get into it in, in, in the, the career you've built and the expertise, you consider yourself, you said, uh, an island boy at heart. You now live <laughs> yeah. in the Bay Area. But, uh, Give the audience just a sense of uh, your, your earlier life and what led you to uh, to here. Yeah, totally. So I'm born and raised in Hawaii, small uh, community of Aiea in uh, the island of Oahu. Public school kid, you know, my whole life. And yeah, just had a super wonderful experience growing up in many ways, you know, intergenerational household. Um, you know, it was, you know, there were some challenging moments too, um, but overall, I'm super grateful. You know, we talk a lot about the Aloha spirit in Hawaii, like that's very much what I grew up with, you know, about giving, being generous, creating community. Um, so I feel so blessed to be there. And then I moved to the mainland. That's what people from Hawaii call, you know, the rest of the U.S. Uh, for school. And um, yeah, I've been, uh, you know, in the Bay and in California for the last 10 years and, um, you know, just you know, living and loving, <laughs> just having a good time and being joyful. And, um, you know, see, looking at the world, uh, always looking at the world around me, looking at the world inside of me. Um, and just, you know, like you said, constantly growing as much as I can. So you, you want to call me a Holliman? Or is it Holliman? Oh, yeah. Holliman. And like, a, Oh, like, a, yeah. Well, you know, I think, you know, it's interesting, you know, when we think about, you know, Holly is hot and Ole has a uh, breath Ole without it. So, you know, it's just, we, you know, foreigners are, you know, and I'm a settler too, right? Like I'm not Kanaka Maoli. I'm not from Hawaii. Like I'm not, well, I'm not native um, Hawaiian. So, you know, Ha'oli ha to be without breath, you know, we did not greet in that way because we're foreigners. Like we don't know, you know, the customs or what it means to be indigenous. So in many ways, like we're, but you and I are both like in some ways, you know, um, uh, you know, settlers and guests on the island. So that's why I'm extra grateful, you know, it's a, because it is such a important and beautiful place, but uh, have you been to Hawaii? Uh, several times. I I've felt that from you, actually. Yeah. Uh, buddies that were stationed over there. And it's, dude, you either get hot or cold. They're like, loved it. Yeah. Would move there permanently if I could. And other guys are like, island fever. And I don't understand how anyone could get island fever with yeah. the amount of things you can do, whether hiking in the mountains or surfing uh, and just enjoying the beach. It's it's all perspective and again, curiosity. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. And the culture is amazing. You know, people out there are some of the friendliest in the country, I would say, you know, and uh, we, you know, we show up for each other. Uh, we're very community minded. I remember picking mangoes with my grandparents out of my backyard. I had mango, a mango tree and we would give it to our neighbors. We'd give it to, you know, the mailman, we'd give it to the grocery, you know, the grocery like clerk, we'd give it to, you know, the bus driver. I mean, I love that I grew up in a place that was so warm, not just climate wise, but in the, the climate of the people. So, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm super grateful to be from there. Community makes, uh, makes it home. Yeah. It makes it's, it's the, the difference. And, and we're losing that in the, the, the mainland. Mm. Um, some places still have it. Uh, larger places don't. But Scott, you know, the more singular 
of a focus with books, they seem to do a lot better because you, mm. you just dive into the science. Yeah. Uh, what was what, what did you get your college degree in? Uh, journalism. Yeah. So I'm a. I was a, trained as a journalist. Uh, my first journalism job is as a, a music writer at the Washington Post. So interviewing folks like, you know, um, and writing stories about folks like Big Boy from Outkast or Michael Kiwanuka, Empire of the Sun, folks who are rolling through the DC area doing shows and, you know, using my curiosity to get to know them. You know, what are you all about? What's, you know, not just like I wasn't a music critic. I was more about telling the story of who that musician, you know, is their life, their relationships, what's, you know, just try like almost like human interest feature stories about really interesting musicians and humanizing them because I think a lot of like celebrities are you put up on this pedestal or othered, you know, yeah. in, in some ways and you know, they're human, you know, they are like just they got wants, they got needs, they have love, they have grief, you know, just like all of us. And so it was a yeah, that was a beautiful um sort of position to have. But it was wild because I was working at a Ruby Tuesday in Maryland. I had hitchhiked across the US, ran out of money. My student loans, like grace period was over and I was like, oh, dang, I need a job. So I like went on Craigslist, was in this group house with 10 people in Maryland working at this Ruby Tuesday. And I went to this writer's workshop that was free because I, I literally had no money in my savings account. And the, um, the teacher of that, of that course, she was like, you're interesting. Like you have like this interesting vibe about you and, you know, your writing's pretty good. Like send me, send me some of your stuff. So I sent her some articles I'd done. And she said, oh, you know, I don't know if you know this, but I'm an editor at the Washington Post and I want to give you a, a job, you know, or like a shot at a job, you know, to apply for. Um, and so it's just wild, too, when, you know, all it takes is one person to kind of see you and, you know, get you to a, a place of, of, of growth and expansion. And that really set my journey as a storyteller, for sure. Do you, do you consider yourself a storyteller? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. 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 My whole family is like storytellers, you know, it's like the way my dad was like, when he was alive, he was like, all right, let me get, gather around and let me tell you about, you know, 14 generations ago when these star-crossed lovers, your great, 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 great grandparents, let me tell you about their love story. So I have those stories. It's really, you know, you know, it's, it's, it's really cool to have grown up in that kind of a, a family for sure. Dude, storytelling. I went and got my MBA. And yeah. I thought I was going to venture capital or, or private equity. Got it. Because that's I've met a lot of guys, and and now I'm in storytelling. Yeah, it's it, life is such a odd path that uh, you just go where life leads you. But exactly. storytelling is like it's oral history yeah. passed down, same yeah. as leadership. It's oral yeah. history passed down. It's but I, what I'm what I'm curious about. <laughs> I see what you're doing. Okay, okay, Mike. What led you to this specific topic? Where you said, hey, I want to take two years of my life and write a book on curiosity. Yeah. What, yeah. I mean, was it an incident or was it a uh, compilation of events that you, you started picking off curiosity people and it just fascinated you? Yeah, it's been a compilation of events for sure. I mean, uh, one big moment is in 2017, I was going through like a rough patch and um, I was actually celebrating a friend's birthday um, in Joshua Tree. Um, which I actually lived there and, and wrote the book in Joshua Tree. I just recently moved from Joshua Tree. I was there for a couple of years. But um, this was before I really had a ton of, you know, connection to the area, was at a birthday party, um, went on a psychedelic journey that basically did not stop for me. Um, you know, I, you know, had a really hard and bad trip um, uh, that was actually really revealing. And like, you know, months later, I realized why I went through it. But at the time, it was very disorienting. Um, you know, I write about this in the book. I started to hear voices on that trip and, um, 
you know, the next day I still heard them, you know, I was out in and out with my friends and I like still heard the voices and I was like, oh, that's like weird. Like maybe, you know, I just need to like, take a good long rest tonight and they'll go away. And then they just kept happening every day. Like I just kept hearing these voices and I worked with someone at UCSF um, and that he basically, you know, I was like at this point at weeks, you know, of hearing voices, having auditory hallucinations. And he was asking me questions. He was being really curious. He was like, what are they saying? Um, are they voices that you've heard before? Um, and, and essentially what he told me is, you know, you're spending so much time trying to push these voices away, but I actually want to invite you to get curious about them, you know, to really explore why they're coming up for you. Because the more you push them away, the louder they're going to get in a way. And he was right. You know, he, um, he really helped me through this really hard moment. Um, and I learned, wow, like curiosity can open us up to so much self-understanding and also can be a force of healing. Like when I started to get curious towards my voices, that's when they started to become more clear that they were voices I've heard in the past that were coming through my like psyche or whatever was happening. I don't know exactly what was happening, but it was revealing sort of suppressed memories that I, I've had forgotten about um, in my childhood. And I got to heal through a lot of that because of these voices. So I'm like grateful for them. I'm like, I was like terrified. I was like, oh shit, this is going to be my life forever. Um, but, uh, you know, in the end, like six months later, you know, I was really grateful for them. So that was a big inciting moment of like curiosity. There's something about turning towards the things that we are afraid of and that make us anxious. In my case, the voices I was hearing that is really powerful. And like, I was trying to look around to see like, is anyone talking about this? Like a, not a, just an intellectual curiosity of like learning through books or Wikipedia or something, but this heart-centered curiosity that's about, you know, turning towards ourselves or turning towards others so that we can deepen our understanding and heal and like feel more connection. Well, now you just scared the living shit out of me because yeah. uh, a few of us are headed to Rhythmia Resort uh, January 6th to 13th to do ayahuasca. I think they do, we do four journeys. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the big guys is John Wellborn, who actually played football mm. at uh, UC Berkeley and then uh, the NFL. And you can tell he's uh, 280 pounds. Yep. He's a little nervous because we don't know what to expect. But um, everyone that's done it has said it opened up doors yep. and basically pushed trauma to the front that they had compartmentalized yep. in ways yep. in yep. that it forced them to deal with it in order to put those obstacles down and move forward. So very interesting you say that, man. I'm, I'm interested. I, I mean, from my profession, the people that were the most curious, always looking, and I guess outward, when, it, when, when I'm talking about out, outward in the sense of, hey, why are we doing things the way we're doing them? Is there a better way to do it? What makes this work? And especially people with relationships, curious about other people's stories. Yeah. How, how, you know, in this, you basically say curiosity impacts personal growth relationships and, and your self-worth. Yeah. So walk me through the book, man, of what readers are going to expect. And, and maybe like if you want to focus on the top three things that they're going to learn or take away from this book that will impact their lives and potentially get give them another way of looking at things. Yeah, I think, um, you know, the big thing for for me to just like or for anyone who's, you know, listening and wants to know like what's what's this curiosity right like this desire to know what does it actually do for our, our relationships well think about i asked folks to think about times when they felt like someone was incurious about them you know like maybe their parent was incurious about them or their sibling or a coworker, a boss you know anyone their partner and 
you know, you have all these things that you want to share. You have all these thoughts, you know, about a topic. You, you know, have dreams that you want to like, you know, share with people and kind of like, you know, bounce ideas. But if no one's like turning towards you with questions and no one's genuinely interested in what you have to say and no one cares, you know, because they're incurious, how does that make you feel? And oftentimes it makes you feel totally, you know, not valued, not seen, not heard. Um, it makes you feel like shit. It makes me feel that way. Um, and, uh, you know, it doesn't make me feel like you matter. And so now we have this, you know, groups of people, because I think we're in this era of incuriosity where we're cutting people, canceling people, turning away from them. We're unwilling to listen to people because we feel like we know everything about them once we find out how they vote, you know, their religion, uh, you know, their sexuality, whatever it is, you know, and there's so much more for us to actually learn about a person. But when we say, I know everything I need to know about you, you know, and we turn mm -hmm. away from them with incuriosity or I've been married to you for 20 years or something I need to know about you. I know everything. We turn away from them with incuriosity. Then we cut off that opportunity for connection. We make people feel like they don't matter. We, you know, and so that is what curiosity is about when we are genuinely interested in what people think about and care about and what they value in their stories, you know, they feel like they matter. And so that's the power of curiosity. That's why I call it a heart centered force because it's about opening that door for connection with other people, even people that are very different from you too, you know? It's, you know, we used to use a, a line, nobody, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, Love that. And, and you know, it's interesting. You bring up, I don't want to say politics, but you, you bring up modern society and it's yeah. that we're completely shutting down the way that other people view things rather than diving in. Absolutely. It's, you know, it's almost in, in the word, the buzzword we're hearing a lot is moral superiority. That my yep. way is correct exactly. you're wrong. Yep. Um, do you see that as a destruction of yes. finding common ground and actually just accepting people for who they are and finding, again, some sort of middle ground exactly. from which people can build relationships and move forward. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, you know, two stories that come to mind. One is the whole reason why I got into writing Seek is because of the 2016 elections. I mean, I think most people in their families or in their communities or on social media, there was all this ripping that was happening, rupture that was happening, um, you know, because people were voting in different ways. And, you know, it's still happening today, you know, in, in politics. We're so polarized right now as a country. And, you know, it's exactly for that reason, you know, we are clinging on so hard to our own views, unwilling to see the humanity of someone who, you know, thinks or believes in a different way. And, you know, I set off on this 12 month journey, actually, after the 2016 elections, I, you know, basically lived out of my Prius, which is super California cliche, but I like went to Home Depot with a friend, put a little bed in the back, was trying to live my best van life moment. And I just drove my Prius to Republican meetups, to Trump rallies, to, you know, places where, you know, myself, if you're, if you're listening and you can't see me, I'm like an Asian American, I'm progressive, I'm queer. And I didn't hide any of those things, by the way, when I went and met people, I said exactly who I was, but the way that I, you know, entered into the conversation was, look, I have all these stereotypes about you because the news and like people that I know tell me stories of who you are. But as a storyteller, I know the best place to get a story is from that person themselves. You are the only person that can really give me the truest truth of who you are. And, you know, if you're open to it, you know, we're spending four or five hours in line, you know, trying to get into this arena, you know, would you, would you be open to, you know, you know, sharing some of who you are? Because I don't want to just, 
operate from the the perspectives of other people. I want to hear it from you directly. And, and, you know, I would really be honored to enter into a conversation with you. And people were really taken aback by that because I think it's our impulse today in this culture. You know, when we hear, oh, you're a Trump voter, let's say as an example, I, I definitely feel this in, in the progressive community. You know, we, you know, you're illiterate, you're uneducated. We shout these, you know, sort of derogatory statements. We know everything we need to know about this person. When there's such diversity in any like political, like anyone that votes for any candidate is not going to be the exact same people. You know, I mean, even, you know, folks who vote for Trump aren't necessarily all going to be at a rally. Like there's, you know, individuation of so much that that we like do not do. And we just say, oh, you, you know, you're a Christian, you're a Trump rally, you're from the South, you know, you're queer. I know everything I need to know about you, right? Like because of that one identifier. And so I had all these great conversations at these Republican meetups and at Trump rallies. And I realized like, wow, like you hurt just like I do. You know, you mm. want, you have the same values of safety and family like I do. Um, you know, you've been othered like I have been because of the way you voted. And in my case, because of my sexuality. And that's like a hard experience and makes us feel really isolated. And it was so much more connective than I think if I went in there and said, let me tell you why you're wrong. Let me tell you why you're voting on the wrong side of the issues. Let me tell you why you, you know, it, that's not, you know, that's not, that's not curiosity. That's in curiosity. And that closes, it shuts the door to connection. And so and I felt, you know, I felt that in every sort of division, it wasn't just politics, you know, it was people much older than me or, you know, people of different races or, you know, people of different like socioeconomic statuses, like whatever it is, you know, we can, come across and build bridges, you know, with our differences, find this common humanity, if only we are starting from a place of curiosity. You know, we always used to say amazing leaders <clears throat> had this knack at not rushing to judgment. They asked questions. Yep, exactly. They were masters at asking questions. And, and again, high in curiosity. Yeah. What is the power? Or, or let me let me go this way. For somebody that immediately wants to put their opinion in. Yep. How do you sort of instruct them to step back and ask questions in order to find a, a linkage or yeah. belonging with the person you're, 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 you're disagreeing with? Totally. And, and curiosity is on a spectrum, right? So you have shallow on one side and then deep mm -hmm. on the other. It's kind of like the mm -hmm. ocean. I know you, you were saying that you like the ocean. So we're doing the ocean metaphor here. Um, and, you know, shallow is more like, hey, what's your name? Oh, Mike. Okay, cool. Where do you live? Oh, awesome. Like, what, you know, what do you, what do, you do for work? Or your storyteller, you got a pocket. Awesome. Love it. Um, and that gives you some information about a person. But only until you slide down that spectrum and you go to the deep end, right? That's when you get to dive underneath the surface and see people as more than just this like shallow surface level identifiers, right? So instead of asking like, what's your name? I might be like, Mike, like, tell me the story of your name. Like, who named you? Why were you named that? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, what's, you know, tell me about people in your last name. You know, like it, it starts to give you a fuller picture of your family, your culture, your, your, your parents or whoever named you, you know, the relationship you have with them, you know, where they are right now, you know, it's like all of that, it just opens up so much more connection, right? Instead of saying, what do you do for work? You can say, um, you know, what's exciting you right now, you know, in life or on the job or what, what are you like getting pissed off about right now in your job? You know, and that like gives you so much more richness about how someone's feeling, you know, in, in their job or seeing them more than just their job. Right. And so I think, you know, we sometimes just stick to the shallow. We sometimes only stay in that area when we're like, 
meeting new people or, or even with people that we are in relationships with, you know, we, yeah. we, you know, we go back for a family reunion and we, we feel comfortable in the shallow because it's less scary, right? It's scary to go out in the deep end. It, it requires a lot of courage, you know, and even in the ocean too, as if we're sticking to that metaphor, like if you're diving, if you're, you know, I'd scuba dive, if you're a diver or even if you're, you know, going out, you know, past this, the break, you know, as a surfer, you're like, you're heading into the deep end and it's very scary, you know? requires a lot of courage and competency, you know? Um, and, you know, we, so we stick to the shallow instead, but I'm encouraging and inviting people to move, you know, slowly into the deep end and to, you know, courageously ask those more powerful questions like the ones I named, but, you know, you don't start there. I think that can put people off too. You know, if you just start and you're like, all right, you know, I'm just meeting you for the first time. Like, all right, tell me about your worst heartbreak. And like, tell me about like your hardest, sad, you know, like hardest moment of grief. Like, I want to know like who's dying in your life. You know, that's like, that's like way too intense, overbearing. Yeah. It's inappropriate. And, you know, I always say curiosity is not deserved. It's earned. So you got to like create that trust. You got to create that relationship before you get the opportunity to ask those kinds of questions. So it, it is a skill that can be sharpened, that can be acquired and learned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a muscle. That's the way I like to say it. It's yeah. it's a muscle. Yeah, you can you can grow it, you know? Yeah. So, so you know, for a lot of our listeners, we're trying to be, become the best versions of ourselves. Yep. Um, we're, we're on our own path and our own journey. I'm particularly interested that you tied it to your sort of, uh, you know, positive well-being. And you just yeah. talked about the voices for six months. Yeah. Um, I don't think people take time to reflect or, or be introspective. How does it start with you? Exactly. Yeah. And that's so important, right? There's three directions of curiosity. There's inward curiosity, which is how do I get curious about myself? You know, what, what I care about, the relationships that are important to me, my emotions, my past, right? Then there's outward curiosity. How do I get curious about the people around me? Um, you know, culture, institutions, systems, the world. And then there's the beyond. How do I get curious about what is not in the physical realm? So for some of us, that's the divine God, you know, consciousness, you know, or even our ancestors, you know, those who are no longer with us um, or are, you know, those who haven't been born yet, like seven generations from now. How do we, you know, um, you know, think about the world that they're going to inherit, you know, um, and, and change the ways that we act today to make it better for them. So that's the beyond. And I always tell people, start from the inward. You know, start from getting curious about yourself, you know, and, you know, mm -hmm. see how that feels for you before you start putting it on other people so you can gain a comfort, a familiarity with it and, you know, a competency with it. Because like I said, it's like lifting weights, you know, and, um, you know, I think those big introspective questions, like let's say voices, you might not hear auditory voices like I did, but maybe you have that self-critical voice or that voice of perfection or that voice that's, you know, you know, that's sort of driven by shame or, um, you know, that voice that says you're not good enough, like, you know, whatever that or that voice of someone else that's in your head, you know, of your dad or, you know, um, um, uh, you know, an ex or whatever it is, you know, sometimes we push those things away, you know, and we say, OK, I don't I don't want to deal with that. That's uncomfortable. You know, I'm, I'm going to focus on the task at hand. But, you know, that's that is inside of you, you know, and, and, and it's yearning to be sort of, uh, you know, it's yearning for curiosity. What you're essentially saying is like, that doesn't matter to me, right? You're I don't want to hear you. I don't want to see you. I don't value you. And in, in many ways, you're saying I don't see myself. I don't value myself. 
I don't matter. When you're not willing to turn, just like I said, turning towards other people is about making them feel like they matter. If you're unwilling to turn out yourself, what you're really saying to everyone around you, your kids, your partner, you know, the your coworkers is I don't matter, right? Because I'm not willing to do that work. I'm not willing to invest that time. So start there, you know, because you do matter. Like everyone that's listening to this right now, like you matter and you deserve to create a spaciousness for yourself to get curious about what's inside of you. Um, and that's what helps you to like do those reps and get better and better and build those muscles. And then you can start going outward and you'll see all the benefits that come with that around connection. That just hit hard, man. <clears throat> uh, everything you just des described about the, the, the self voices of lack of confidence, self doubt. Um, I, I'll be honest, man. I'm even, I'm going through that right mm -hmm. now. I, I've, mm -hmm. I've been somewhat successful in life. I know my past uh, from special operations, but stepping out into the business world and being retired, it's, it's been scary. And mm -hmm. it's, uh, mm -hmm. I think I'm avoiding those, you know, it, I'll say this. When you avoid answering those questions or con confronting those those hard questions, those boulders, those obstacles remain in the way. And and I've been having some conversations with mentors about, yeah, hey man, you, you've got to answer some of the voices. Yeah, you know this 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 lack of confidence, this imposter syndrome. Yeah, um, that that hits hard. In the book, do you give a framework? Yeah, yeah. So just like you know, I'm a runner, a long time, twenty plus years of running, mm -hmm. and um, you know. You wouldn't expect someone on the first day of running to like go run a marathon, right? You got to work condition your way up to it, right? And so when I talk about me going to the opposing political party, I'm not expecting people to read this book and then be like, all right, I'm going to go to that Democratic like rally. Or I'm going to go to that Republican rally. Like that's not what I'm, I'm saying. Like that's like, you know, running a marathon. You got to really train yourself, condition yourself to get to that point. Um, so start smaller, you know, what's the thing that you can do today in five to 10 minutes to, to be more curious. And also what's the framework or the structure that helps you to understand like the regimen or, or the, the way to actually exercise this, right? Like, just like you would have a running plan, you know, hills this day, you know, do sprints this day. Okay. Medium distance this day. I wanted to create something like that for curiosity because mm -hmm. it's not enough to just say, be curious. All right. Good luck out there. Like get curious about yourself and get curious about the world. Like you need something concrete. So the model is the dive model. How do you dive underneath the surface into, you know, that deep end? Um, and so dive is an acronym, D-I-V-E. It's the four core muscles of deep curiosity. So D stands for detach. How do you let go of your A, B, Cs, your assumptions, your biases, and certainty? So how do you let go of that? How do you, you know, sort of pour a little bit out of your cup? So you can actually take new things in, new experiences, new conversations in. You know, how do you interrupt your biases? How do you not just assume things about other people? And how do you, you know, reward not just answers, which is something, you know, for instance, in business school, like a lot of us are like trained to do, right? Or like even in school itself, right? Like having the answers. But actually, how do we reward questions and exploration? And it's okay if it doesn't get you to like an end goal. Like that's a part of the journey, you know? So that's what Detach is all about. I is intend. How do you create the mindset and the setting, you know, for curiosity? So, you know, you said you're going to, you know, sit in ceremony, um, you know, wishing you blessing on all of that and hopes, hope it gives you everything that, you know, you're, you're, you know, supposed to see and supposed to understand about yourself and your life and those around you. Um, and like, also I'm not saying to everyone when I brought up that, you know, psychedelic journey I went on, I, you know, sometimes this isn't the right channel for people. So I don't yeah, want everyone to think like, this is the only way to do it. Um, but if that is your journey, you know, we often are told set and setting, right? 
what's your mindset going into the journey and what's the setting you're in when you like sit in ceremony. The same is true for curiosity, right? What's the mindset you're having when you're going into that conversation with your coworker or with your kid and you have to have a really tough conversation that's going to require a lot of curiosity, you know, have you eaten? Like, what's the temperature? <laughs> like, have you slept? Well? Are you drinking? Like, you know, like all of the things that might affect your mindset. And then also, what can we learn from sports? So I talk about sports psychologists like Alan Richardson. Um, they've learned that there's this power in visualization. You know, what's called mental rehearsal. You see yourself, envision yourself free throwing, you know, hitting a basketball at the free throw line, you know, or hitting a baseball with the bat. You visualize that in your mind's eye, like over and over and over again, you'll actually improve your performance. And the true, the same is true for curiosity. None of us like actually, a lot of us do not think through like, what is this conversation going to look like? How am I going to come in? Where are we going to be? You know, how am I going to respond, not react to things that might be triggering to me? What are the questions I'm going to be asking? So that's what, you know, intent is all about. It's like, how do you like really set yourself up with the right mindset, the right physical setting for, for that, um, for curiosity via value, which we need so much of right now in this world today, because it's mm. all about how do we see the dignity of the people we're being curious about? It's about humanizing people. Unfortunately, right now, I can log on to social media or I can be in a community conversation and you can see dehumanization in, across the board. And it doesn't matter if it's politics, race, a geopolitical crisis abroad, like whatever it is, we are so dehumanizing so many people and we need to, we can't access curiosity if we consider people as less than, as savages, as animals, as people that are like worthy of being killed. Like those, those are not, that is not a healthy um, or positive way of, uh, of, of, you know, being human and like being in community with one another. And so, um, we have to start from there. And, and also, you know, we sometimes dehumanize people unconsciously and in ways that we don't even recognize, you know, it's not just the big flagrant, you know, dehumanizations. It's, you know, when our partner comes in that door and we're on our phone and they're trying to talk to us and we're, we're more curious about, you know, this, this reel that's in front of us, you know? And we're human, you know, we sometimes are going to mess up and that's sometimes, you know, going to happen because we need to cope or, you know, we've had a hard day ourselves and we got to create boundaries. Um, but if that happens over and over and over and over again, you know, in a way we're dehumanizing our partner because we're saying, you know, you don't matter, I actually care more about this device than I do about you. And, um, and that doesn't make someone feel good and doesn't, uh, you know, open up the doors for deep curiosity. And the last part of the model, dive, E, embrace which I think everyone needs to hear right now because it's all about welcoming the hard times. That is actually the most important moment to be deeply curious when you're going through transition, when you're grieving the loss of a loved one, when you're going through a heartbreak, when you lost your job. Like these hard moments can actually teach us so much about ourselves, about our strength, about the people who actually show up to us in our lives, who are there for us in times like this. Um, or that we need to create those communities so that we can have that the next time we go through something hard. When we are deeply curious in these moments, you know, it teaches us so much about how to like live more fully, more, more meaningfully, more connected with one another. And um, that's what E is all about. So D-I-V-E, dive. Yeah. That is a powerful framework. Detach, intend, value, embrace. Um, I... I'm a little speechless. I, I'm, I'm going to remember that one. Um, yeah. Just even in my encounters with people. Exactly. Um, yeah. I, I think that's extremely invaluable and in, in something that I, I need to work with. Um, 
You and I hope you do do that. You know, I was just talking, I was on another, another podcast with uh, Chase Jarvis and he was saying, yeah, like ever since I learned dive, I'm like talking to my wife, I'm like talking to like people I work with, like, and I'm, I'm remembering that and it's kind of helping me to pause and remember to not come from this place of like judgment, but instead with curiosity and more openness. And yeah, that's why I created the mod. I wanted people to have that thing in their back pocket that they could like turn towards, you know, in every conversation or situation for sure. There's, there's, there's acronyms or there's nuggets people can take from book and actually impl implement in their lives is exactly. what makes a great book. Exactly. And that's awesome. So I know you work for the uh, UC Berkeley Greater Good Science Center. Yes. What, a, what an awesome name. Yeah, it's uh, an awesome what's place. What, what is, what's the focus? Yeah, so the Greater Good Science Center, uh, so such deep, uh, deeply in my heart, it is a center at UC Berkeley that really explores, you know, what the research says about how we can live with more meaning and more connected relationships and better well-being. So there's all this psychological research out there about how to be happier, how to bring in, you know, sensations of awe, how to be more curious, you know, how to be kinder or more compassionate towards ourselves or others. So, you know, we translate basically the research because sometimes it's hard to read a white paper. You're like, what does this actually say? Mm -hmm. You know, especially if you're not, you know, a PhD or researcher yourself. And so we, we shape them into videos or articles or quizzes or, you know, things that people can engage with. And then say, oh, I'm a nurse, I'm a teacher, you know, I'm a parent, um, I'm a student, you know, I can take this knowledge that's from the research and apply it into my own life and my own work. Is there, is there any data that shows people high in curiosity either access different parts of the brain or it leads to actual, I'm talking physical brain health? Yeah. So uh, we know a couple of things. So one, um, you know, curiosity, uh, when, you know, when someone is curious and they're put under uh, an fMRI machine, we, we know that they are uh, releasing dopamine. So dopamine is, you know, known as a happy hormone. It's, you know, when we're having sex or eating a really delicious meal, we release dopamine. And, you know, and there's also, you know, it's, it's, it's you know, I love dopamine. It's like one of the, my, the, my favorite neurotransmitters. <laughs> so um, that's really cool to know that when you're being curious, it's actually, it's actually really pleasurable, you know, it's enjoyable. And the reason why we release dopamine is because it wants to incentivize that behavior. Because when we were, you know, our ancestors needed someone in the group to be curious to find water or food or, you know, track that buffalo or to learn how to build a fire or, you know, um, even social curiosity, right, to connect with other people and build a tribe or kin and, you know, belonging. Um, so that's why it's important to our survival and it's encoded literally into our brains. Um, and we also know from the research that curious people tend to be happier people. Um, so they, they tend to have stronger relationships for many reasons. So there's research to show that curious people are less aggressive um, and curious people uh, and intellectually humble people um, are more liked and are, are friendlier and more communal. So people just vibe with you better, like they want to come towards you. So I have a lot of friends who are like, ah, oh, you know, in adult life, you know, in my 40s, and my, it's harder to make friends, you know, especially my guy friends. And I'm like, just be curious, you know, that's a great way to make solid friendships. You know, people like you more, you're seemed as, you're, you seem friendlier, people wanna be around you more. Um, and also when you're, when you're curious, um, you know, it actually has impacts on your longevity. That's like one of the coolest things, you know, not a, because it deepens your social connection, which we know from massive longitudinal studies, social connections are the most important thing for your life, um, and your, your, your longevity and living a healthy, happy life. Um, and curiosity 
is the how to that, is how you create those social connections. Um, but also just there was a study that found that older adults who had higher levels of curiosity um, had lower levels of mortality. So, I'm all, so I also tell my friends, you want to live, you want to live and not die. Like, you know, like be curious. And it makes sense. You know, I talk to my elders and they're like, the minute that you stop getting curious about the world and you get disengaged and you're, you stop being active and exploring and trying new things and learning, you know, that's really when we deteriorate both in our mind and in our body. And I think it's pretty quick, you know, when someone who is older and, and stops being curious, you know, things just start to spiral in the health world for them, you know, so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really important for, for life, you know, both the quality and the actual longevity of our lives. You know, it's interesting you say that we had Stephen Kotler, mm. uh, if you know, the, the best, uh, many time bestselling author, he just mm. wrote in our country mm. and on the podcast, he said, they found data that showed people that are optimistic or positive mm. live seven years longer than those who are Ooh. not. Ooh, yes, and love that. I'll, I'll take seven years because you can become a yep. master in almost anything in, uh, yep. in seven years. Absolutely. But we also recently had a podcast with uh, John Wellborn, mm. uh, again, Berkeley graduate, played football there, then NFL 10 years. And he talked about the data he found on men. Mm. As mm -hmm. they get older, they get they pull more inward or insular. Mm. And hence, if you looked at it, men have a younger mortality rate. They pass mm. away uh, you know, at an earlier age than women. Mm. Do are, are, have you found biologically between men and women, are women higher in curiosity or is it just personality dependent? Yeah, that's interesting. I think, um, you know, what my understanding of the research there is that um, it's definitely helpful to be around other curious people, you know, so if you have really curious people around you, you know, you're going to take on those behaviors just like we did mm -hmm. as a kid, you know, with our teachers or our parents, right? The same, it doesn't, it doesn't stop when we grow older, you know, we are the product of the people that are closest to us. And so, you know, looking around and being like, are, are the people around me curious, you know, and, and if they are, you know, you're likely to have a lot of curiosity, you know, compared to if you were in a group that no one is curious inward or outward. Um, so that's a big, a, a big thing. The second is, um, there, you know, a lot of people think, oh, curiosity is only for kids, like, because my kid asked me, you know, 30 questions about why this and, you know, why is bluey blue and like, you know, all these like, you know, questions that, you know, they have, but the, a meta analysis of, uh, multiple research studies has found that we actually get more curious with age. So actually our elders are the most curious folks, you know, that are around and, um, you know, it's not just for kids. It's not just for the creatives. And it makes sense because when you learn more things, you start to have more and more questions and, you know, the, the, what we're, you know, selecting our curiosity to do and how we're vocalizing it might look different when we're older, but, you know, now we have questions about spirituality, about our you know, inner self, you know, about, um, our purpose, you know, which are things that we didn't have, you know, when we're four years old. Um, so, you know, I, I think that's always really reassuring too, and that it's accessible to everyone. Like I said, you're born with curiosity. Uh, the research shows that infants look at novel stimuli for longer than known ones. So we know it's not something that's taught to us. It's something that arises in us at birth. So you have it, you know, you have the capacity to be curious. Doesn't matter, you know, if you're rich or poor, you know, what gender you are, you know, what's, you know, what political party you come from, where you live, like you have curiosity. It's just a muscle that you need to strengthen. And if you're not exercising it, like any other muscle, it's going to atrophy. So. So if it's nature, if we're all born with curiosity, what's the biggest killer of curiosity mm. in people? Is it, is it environment, who you're around? 
I think fear is a really big one. You know, people get really, you know, you, they get afraid of turning towards that person who's different from, uh, from us or asking that co- really hard question to their parent or to their partner or to their kid. Um, or they have fears of like exploring things inside of themselves. You know, what am I going to find? What am I going to learn? Fears of exploring things in their uh, partnership. You know, is this going to take me to, is this going to, you know, end our relationship or take us to hard places? You know, I think fear holds us back from, you know, being really curious, but paradoxically, you know, we know that when you're curious about the things that you are afraid of, um, or that you're anxious about, it actually reduces the fear and the anxiety. So take end of life anxiety, for instance, right? When you're afraid of death, which is a scary thing, it's a lot of unknown, you know, when palliative care physicians and nurses or end of life doulas, you know, get curious towards you and create an environment of curiosity, you know, what was your life like? Who was important to you in your life? Um, How do you want to die with dignity? Um, You know, what do you want these moments to look like? What are you feeling right now, whether that's negative or positive emotions? Like, I want to just acknowledge and validate and and see you for who you are and, and be here with curiosity. You know, that actually helps to alleviate the anxiety that folks feel and, and reduce some of the fear that they're feeling about, you know, this big unknown that they're about to enter towards. So I think that's a big one. And I think the other is trauma. Um, you know, that's, that mm-hmm. can really hold us back from, you know, accessing curiosity. I've re- I talked to trauma-informed therapists who are in the book. And, you know, when you're deeply traumatized, you can't get curious about the world around you. You know, you're, you have to heal first and, and really get through that experience of, 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 you know, of healing and reparation. But, you know, Kevin Becker, one of the therapists I interviewed, he says, curiosity is the barometer for healing. So that means that when he sees his patients start to be curious again, they're asking questions, they're getting curious about themselves, about others, you know, that's when we know that they're healing. So, you know, curiosity, curiosity is a barometer of healing. I mean, that's just one of my favorite lines from the book, honestly, because if you're feeling hurt, you know, curiosity is sort of your companion, you know, to access that healing and curiosity is that companion to help you reduce that fear and anxiety in your life. I just wrote it down. Yeah. yeah. Curiosity is barometer for healing. That's, you know, from my observations, not empirical data, the guys who I served with who had multiple combat deployments, which trauma comes with those deployments uh, to war, the ones that dived into sleep and plant-based medicine Hmm. and, you know, oxygen chambers. And and they were, they were proactive in, in, in getting curious about all the ailments and what, Mm -hmm. what modalities were out there were the ones that got to health to a higher extent and at a faster rate. So that's, that's, uh, again, that hits home. Yeah. Uh, Much like you you talk about that self voice. Thanks Scott, again, congratulations to you. Uh, I cannot wait to get my hands on the book. Yes. Um, so I will go to Amazon. I'll purchase it. Of course, I'm going to leave a review because author to author. <laughs> yeah. That's what, what we do. I, again, no pun on words. Maybe it's my lack of vocabulary. I'm really curious to dive into this thing mm. because even you know this book right here, The Talent War, yep. we talked about nine major attributes of high performers. And curiosity was one of those nine of like the 75 we, we, we started with and yep. whittled it down to nine. Even a uh, amazing woman near you, Tracy Keogh, okay, who was the HR uh, CHRO of HP, Hewlett Packard, okay. okay. highest paid CHRO in the world, said her number one attribute that she found with high performers were, was curiosity, regardless Agreed. of age. Agreed. And those are the people that stayed in the organization. I agree. Um, 
So where's the best place to find the book? I'm assuming Amazon, where yeah, books are sold. Yeah, it's everywhere. You know, it's in, you know, support your indies. It's in big box stores like Target and Barnes and Noble. It's um, online. Uh, you can also go to seekthebook.com. There's all the links to buying books there. And um, yeah, and I really look forward to hearing from you and from any, anyone else that reads it. I'm, you know, slip it to the DMs, you know, email me. You know, my contact info is on, on the book website. I really want to hear from people. That's my favorite part about being an author is, you know, learning about what your key takeaways are, what resonated with you, um, what you thought of the book, how you're applying it. So please reach mm -hmm. out. Um, I really do answer, you know, as you know, pretty much all the DMs that come through. So I, I'm usually interested in the bad reviews more than I am the good. The good is that yeah, it gives, it gives you insight. Yeah, if somebody leaves a three star, I'm like, what was it that, that, that did not resonate with you? Give it to me. Feedback is, uh, is great, especially the, uh, the bad. Uh, so I'm assuming you're you, you you're a keynote speaker. Do you work with organizations? Do people go to seek.com to, yeah. to find you to bring you into their organization? hundred percent. Yeah, I, I've done uh, things at schools, at companies. You know, I've I work with you know community organizations. You know, I, I just I'm here to be in service of y'all. If you are looking at your culture in your workplace or um, at your school and you're like, wow, we really need more curiosity. You know, for instance, on college campuses right now, I think that's a huge need. There's a lack of mm. curiosity and mm. way too much canceling and cutting and, uh, you know, dehumanization that's happening. So, you know, that's happening in the workplace. It's really happening. I mean, there's really no place where, you know, that, that, that wouldn't need, you know, a more curiosity. Um, so yeah, I'm happy to work with you and, and make sure that you're set up for success to create a culture of curiosity. Yeah. Well, Scott, again, amazing work. Uh, glad that you live. You still live in the, uh, the Bay Area. The folks are there. Um, beautiful, beautiful part of the world. Yeah, totally. Uh, hey, thanks for giving us the time. Congrats on the success. I know you, you did the uh, the media circuit this this morning. Good morning, America. Was <laughs> yeah. it? Uh, the Today Show. Yeah, Today Show. Today Show. Even better. Well, brother, thank you. We'll direct people towards the site and to all the listeners. Thank you for joining us. Remember. Go leave a review on whatever podcast platform you uh, you listen to. Leave a review. Write it out. We actually do read them, and it's our mechanism for getting better, both the good and the bad. And I'm not going to tell you leave only a five-star review. Uh, leave what you feel. All right, guys. This has been the Men's Journal Everyday Warrior Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Sorelli with Scott. Go buy his book, Seek. Woo. How to Curiosity Can Transform Your Life and Change the World. Who doesn't want to do that? All right, Scott. Thank yes. you. Yes. Thank you so much, Mike. Appreciate you.